You are listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. The world is evolving. Your investments should too. Hi there. My name is Raj Law, the CEO of Evolve ETFs. I'm also joined today uh, by a very special guest, Drew Orsinger. Drew, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Raj. Really great to be here. Really appreciate it. So let's get right into it. Drew, you've got a really impressive background. Uh, you're the first person to come on uh, this podcast with, uh, uh, with some experience at SpaceX, for example, and uh, also, also Honeywell. So maybe you could start by giving our listeners and viewers a little bit of, a, of an update on your background. Yeah, I appreciate that, Raj. So um, I, uh, I'm a career security professional by trade. Um, I spent uh, effectively almost 20 years of doing security work in, in the U.S. government, um, both in the military and then uh, uh, for the Department of Homeland Security. And then I went to go work for the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, um, which you probably know well. Um, and that, that was significant for me for two reasons. Um, the first being it was my first exposure to blockchain. Um, that was about six years ago, and I was fortunate enough to buy some Ether and, and Bitcoin you know, way back when, and I actually still didn't lose them in a boating accident, which is great. Um, <laughs> should, have bought, should have bought more. Um, but, but it was really interesting to see developers get their hands around you know, Ether and try and find and innovate around how they can use the technology to solve solutions. Um, and the second one was around how data flows, right? And, and as a security professional, it was very interesting to me, the lack of technology and the lack of innovation around how market data travels. Um, and then I go to SpaceX, I get a call randomly one day, I wasn't looking for another job. Um, SpaceX calls me and a week later, I'm sitting in front of Elon interviewing him, with him. And um, lo and behold, I got the job and I, I moved my family, three kids um, from Chicago to LA, which is like moving them to a different country. Um, and of course now they, they hate the fact that we left. Um, <laughs> but, but it was at, at SpaceX where I learned about some really cool encryption technology um, that aerospace industry uses, um, primarily around communications between satellites. And, and that's when I had an aha moment with respect to, and what I, what I define as innovation, you know, being able to take technology and apply that to, in a different way to solve other problems. Um, that's ultimately was the inspiration for what we're doing now with Tradex, um, is to trace data using a centralized immutable ledger, not, not blockchain, uh, which maybe we can talk a little bit more about. Well, actually, yeah, that dovetails. Why don't you talk a little bit about Tradex because it sounds like an interesting uh, company that you've uh, that you've started here. Yeah, I no, appreciate it. And I definitely love what you're doing at Evolve ETF with 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 the Bitcoin ETF, and I've been following that. And um, one of the things that that I've appreciated, and we've seen this even most recently with the NFTs, right, is is the confusion I think that sometimes exists around the technology and what blockchain is. And and the, to keep it simple. You know, the, the easiest one um, in terms of what Tradex is doing is this idea around what consensus on a blockchain gives you, right? And consensus from a blockchain perspective works really well in, in the DeFi space and with cryptocurrency, but, but it's expensive, um, both in terms of its cost and, it, and its latency to do other things to, to drive things like immutability. And so the idea of, of immutability is something that you can achieve with a centralized ledger. And that's something that Tradex is doing when the concern isn't necessarily around a decentralized authority. And, and the value there for us is we can do things at a very, very high volume with, a lot of, with, with very little latency, with um, not a lot of complexity and do it in a way that's much more meaningful 
um, and also challenge, I think, uh, how innovation and technology is coming, especially when you see things like NFTs coming into the market, um, and, and what that technology is really about. Is it over-engineered, or is it fit to purpose? It's funny. I think 99% of the population didn't know what an NFT was at the beginning of this year, <clears throat> and now uh, everyone seems to. Uh, it's uh, it's definitely a very it's definitely a very interesting area. So can you give me a a, a real case example of uh, of how you would work with an immutable ledger? Yeah. So so one of the things that we've done at TradeX, right, and and it also I think is interesting to talk about like why immutability is important, right, and the ability to prove something, um, especially at speed and, and and in today's era, right there, and that's really the and, and at its heart the promise of blockchain, right, is the ability to prove uh, prove work, to prove use, um, you know, it's and and some and you do get a lot of that from an incentive perspective around consensus, but from a from a strict immutability perspective, um, the ability to prove a transaction, for example, um, when you when when you look at all of the transactions that happen in everyday life, um, and, and then the ability to share that transaction with others and doing it in a secure way becomes really important, right? So that could be your your privacy data, it could be a lot of things that blockchain talks about outside the crypto world can actually really be achieved through a centralized ledger at much less cost and much less complexity um, through doing something with, with what TradeX is doing, right? And so we're we're using that technology to actually follow data flow and be able to show data usage um, to remove the audit clause, for example, and allow these licensing contracts that really aren't necessary. Got it. So while we're on, on NFTs, why don't you talk about what you're what your views are uh, on them? It's been an interesting thing to watch, right? I mean, I, there was a great, um, you know, piece, um, you know, the, the, the New York Times Daily, the podcast, which I try and listen to every day, had a great piece last week. A lot of the NFTs, I think, were inflated by the art market. You know, the Christie's and the auction houses, you know, throw crazy money at crazy things to begin with, right? And so when you've got this new thing out here, right? I mean, let's let's throw a bunch of money at, and then you've got crypto money, I think, chasing some of that, and then it just took off. You know, where I where I struggle, and I've talked to some of these NFT companies, and I've also talked to several blockchain, you know, what I consider to be leading experts, especially over in uh, like so Switzerland, where there's a really heavy blockchain focus, um, is, is around what NFTs are really trying to do, right? And the current construct, especially as it's tied to Ethereum, Right, and and you have the par the price action, the price fluctuation of those assets. Not to mention that you know the the authenticity of that data, um, where it's actually being stored, and then from from my personal bias, right, the 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 from a security perspective, right, do do we really want all of these transactions in the public sphere? Um, and I think your last guest and your last podcast was talking about the value of privacy, and some some people do, because it's bragging rights, it, it's the pride of ownership, which NFTs bring, but I when you're a company like Topps Baseball Cards or even Tiffany's Diamonds, you, you can you can have your own immutable ledger and, and create that same value proposition that NFTs essentially are holding, but without having to deal with with a blockchain network. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this evolves over time, especially since how fast it came up. Yeah, it's it's you know I mean I've been I've been doing a bunch of reading on NFTs like many people, <clears throat> trying to get my head around it. I find that uh, that younger investors tend to think of things in a more abstract way than maybe the rest of us, and we seem to be a little bit more linear. Um, but one of the interesting use cases that I saw for it uh, was, you know, big designers being able to authenticate their products, right? So if 
<clears throat> if you go and buy a Louis Vuitton purse, how do you know that it's not a knockoff, even though it was a reputable seller of it? And so can Louis Vuitton start to issue NFTs authenticating that you just, and it's your own NFT that authenticates that you got a, a real Louis Vuitton purse. Then I start to see like the interesting use cases um, for it. I don't know, what do you think? No, I, I, I struggle because I don't know why Louis Vuitton just doesn't make their own immutable ledger. Why, yeah. why, why go through the an intermediate market, right? Where you've got to create this NFT, right? That's a little clunky. Right. When when if you buy a Louis Vuitton um, bag and it's got a serial number and you can immutably assign a hash ID to that bag. And then as, as, as proof of purchase, you, you get the bag and the, and the physical certificate. But then you also get a, a link to Louis Vuitton's private immutable ledger. I, I think that would be a lot cleaner and simpler to deploy. Um, yeah. And having, think about it like that. But yeah, it's to good code against Ethereum. Right. Or it's just it's it's. It seems over-engineered for, for what I would consider to be very awesome use cases that don't necessarily need to be full NFT. Um, so it's, it's, it'll be really interesting to see wh where these companies take it next um, and, and how it develops. So I want to pivot back for a moment to space uh, because yeah. also a very extremely interesting topic to many people growing up wishing that uh, they could be an astronaut. In fact, one of my neighbors is one of the most famous astronauts, Chris Hadfield, uh, Canadian Canadian national hero uh, yep. for sure. But uh, tell me about your journey in space. Is it always something that was kind of a childhood uh, fantasy of yours? You know, it it, it actually was. And and I uh, when I was in fifth grade, I um, we had a space uh, uh, chapter in the social studies program, and we had to come up with these um, special projects. And at the time. And this would have been, you know, mid, mid 80s. Um, you could you could write to NASA and they would send you pictures and information for free. And it didn't matter how many times you wrote. And so every week I would write them a letter and I would get all these awesome pictures of planets and the space shuttle. And, and I put it together in my project. And it was it was I was really proud of the project at the, at the end of that. Um, I never dreamed that I'd be working at a company like SpaceX, much less working with someone like Elon, um, who was truly a, a, a tremendous um, innovator and leader in his own right. And, and to your point, I mean, I think Canada can lay claim to fame for him forever um, with respect to his citizenship um, and, and, and what he's done, right? So that's, you know, it, it's been a lot of fun to watch, especially watching this last mission that just uh, was successful um, this last couple of days, right? Where they, where they got the four astronauts up to the space station. I, I think what will be more even interesting um, or as interesting is to watch Tactically, these, these four astronauts get back down from the space station. I, I think in many respects, people don't appreciate how dangerous that evolution is. Um, but, but also strategically to see where SpaceX is going with their Starlink program, uh, with yeah. low Earth orbit, mesh networks, communications, how that may or may not interwork with 5G, right? And then the whole tourism industry. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's sad on some level to see Virgin Galactic um, have a little bit of a stumble in the tourism side. Um, I think we'll see SpaceX rapidly fill the gap here. They've got an all-civilian mission that's launching in the fall, um, which will be really exciting. And, and even Blue Origin, I think, to a certain extent, has, has a lot of room to grow there. But what, what, what we take for granted um, in our air travel, I think we, we, we may soon take for granted in space travel in terms of the ability for civilians to get up to space. Do you think, actually, that space travel is going to be a thing in our lifetime, or is it our kids? I think it'll be more. I think it'll be more mainstream for our kids. But I think we, you know, as, as NASA, which is also tremendous, right? NASA was the sole source awardee um, to SpaceX for the Moon mission in 2024, 
Um, I think we'll see. I think we'll see the first female uh, to walk on the moon in 2024. Um, and, and I think we'll see people regularly going into space um, and, and traveling to the space station. I think we'll see the space station expanding. Um, and eventually we'll, we'll go to Mars, right? And as Elon said, I think earlier this week, you know, there'll be some very interesting trade-offs that will have to happen, but I think we'll get there. And one last question on space. I always ask space buffs uh, this question. Do you believe there's life out there? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think- what? No, no hesitation. Yeah, I mean, as people say, I mean, you, you, it's a combination, right? There, Elon was asked this in his last Joe Rogan podcasts. Um, you know, he, he stumbles a little bit with respect to, and it is a little bit of a dichotomy with respect to the lack of evidence, right? We've got, everyone's got a camera, right? Why is it that if it's, you know, if that's really here, we don't have better evidence of that. Um, but from a math perspective, you know, you just can't, it's hard to argue the math, right? I mean, it's, and it would also be tremendously disappointing if we were the only ones out there. Um, so I, I absolutely believe that there is other life out there for sure. Interesting. So uh, broader on technology, are you concerned at all that technology is moving quicker than we can all keep up with? You know, I, I it's, a, it's an interesting question. I, you know, I, I think I think the NFT thing that we were talking about before is interesting um, use case for that, right? I mean, I, I think you could see NFTs going off in the wrong direction as, as an outcrop of some really great technology. Um, certainly, we've seen that with social media. Uh, but, but I think it's self-correcting, right? I think every good technology, the internet, it, it's, as, as things evolve, the technology evolves with it and, and failure ultimately washes out, you know, the, the, as does the market, um, washes out, you know, the, the, the pieces that aren't useful. And so it, just like we'll see what happens in NFTs in the next two to three years, um, we'll see no doubt an evolution. Same thing with DeFi and finance, right? Um, with respect to how, I, I don't think anyone really envisioned the possibility of DeFi in terms of how we're looking at lending, um, when people first start talking about blockchain and Bitcoin, you know, seven, eight years ago, right? Um, so I think there's both positives and negatives. On the DeFi side, um, where do you see the bigger opportunity for growth? Do you see it in Bitcoin or do you see it in Ether? You know, I, I think I mean I, I think that's a great question for your uh, for your next podcast, right? I think you guys. <laughs> yes. um, but but I. Uh, He's, he'll know, be conflicted because he likes both. Yeah, I, I mean, I do too, right? I mean, it, it's hard to argue with the merits of Bitcoin on its own, but but, but Ether and Ethereum and, and even, um, you know, your your, your last guest, um, uh, Anthony Delonio, was was really good with, with what they're doing there and the possibility and the potential. So you can't count out Ether with respect to what it will do. Um, but but and, and that's what's really great about the solar ecosystem, right, is, is the how it's changing finance in general, I think, has a lot of potential. Um, and it, it, it'll be really great to see what, what happens next, for sure. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think it's, I mean, first of all, I don't think you can compare them, right? They're very different, uh, very, diff very different use cases. What, I, what, I've, what I've learned is how much of a rabbit hole you can get into when you dive into Ether uh, and the Ethereum network. It's, 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 it's very complicated. I would argue much more complicated than uh, Bitcoin and and the use case uh, as well. But I see so many different interesting uses of the Ethereum network, uh, specifically, of course, as you said, around DeFi. Uh, I think I think it's I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to watch over the next few years uh, the progression on both sides, the adoption 
for Bitcoin, the adoption for Ether uh, and so on. It'll be, it'll be fun times ahead, I think. Volatile, but fun. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, and again, going back to my CME time, you know, six, seven years ago, you know, watching the developers get their, to your point about the complexity, it is not an off the shelf, like, let's just bring in a couple and, and launch this code. On the flip side, once, once it's fully adopted and integrated, um, you know, with the exception of, you know, the, the, the pricing of gas, but dependently, but that, you know, there, there's some issues there with Bitcoin as well. It, it's, it's hard to um, ignore the potential of what Ether can do. Um, in, in a full blockchain network. But but again, that, that's where I really love what we're doing at Tradex is we can achieve a lot of those similar outcomes on the immutability side that aren't necessarily smart contract focused um, to do a lot of really great things that people hadn't thought about from, you know, why, why is immutability important um, and how does that scale? And that's really what we're about at Tradex, which is a lot of fun. Uh, before we close off a couple uh, a couple of quick questions, what are your big predictions from innovation slash technology over the next few years? Yeah, so opportunities? I, yeah I think I got to give a nod to SpaceX, right? From from what, you know, low earth orbit mesh networks will do. Um, OneWeb, which is another big company that, that's ex ex experimenting with that is launched uh, a batch of satellites a couple days ago. So, so there will be movement in what that means, right? With respect to having interoperability and broadband access or broadband level access almost anywhere on the planet. Um, the, the second one, which is also a little bit more separated is more on the energy front with respect to, I think again, what Elon's tr doing and trying to do with the XPRIZE around carbon capture, right? I think there's a lot of really great technology that's coming out of carbon capture and what that will mean for us as a society. And, th and then the last one to kind of close out with blockchain, um, yeah, I had a really awesome conversation with a company called Zanata in, in Zug, Switzerland. You know, there's a whole blockchain 2.0 effort going on right now where when you think about you know, Ether and Bitcoin networks not being able to talk to each other, right? From a blockchain technology perspective, I think we'll see you know, this blockchain 2.0 where you've got these blockchain networks actually able to be more interoperable than they are now. Great. Uh, last question. What's the one thing you wish you had known when you started out your career? How many years? How many years ago was it, Drew? Yeah, like, I guess over 25, right? Um, you know, I, I I think the big one is understand the difference between failure and rejection. You know, they're they're not always the same thing, and and I think um, I I early on associated rejection with failure, um, and and especially now as a, as a and I also wish too that I doing you know being an entrepreneur now for the first time. Um, you know, having spent 25 years in, in kind of professional life is, is also a humbling thing. So I, on some level, I think there's a lot of learning that you, you gain by being an entrepreneur and, and you know, having your own business and playing with technology directly as opposed to doing it on behalf of some other entity. Um, so I encourage all, all those out there to you know, embrace, embrace that piece of it and also the value of public service, I, I think also can't be understated, especially in today's uh, world. That's great. Well, impressive career so far. Sounds like you're uh, you're destined for some bigger and better things uh, down the road. If people want to learn more about Tradex, how do they yeah. get in touch? Yeah, thanks, Raj. Best place is our website, uh, tradeexam.com. Uh, you can learn more about what Tradex is doing and, and get a hold of me there. And uh, look forward to, to talking with others and appreciate the, the opportunity to connect here, Raj. Thank you. We'll have you back soon. Thanks, Drew. All right. Thanks, Raj. You have been listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. Remain educated, be informed, 
Sign up for our newsletter and learn more at EvolveETFs.com.